Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and today we are crossing the international dateline for the first time on the Esports Network podcast, talking about the Direwolves and the Oceania region of esports. So if you haven't been paying attention, the Direwolves had a crazy July. The successful League of Legends team in the Oceanic Pro League this month, they announced a new rebrand, they announced a new ownership, and they incorporated the Sydney Drop Bears and N8 Esports, probably Nate Esports, uh, reading that out loud, into the Direwolves brand. Now the organization went from competing in League to competing in League, NBA 2K, FIFA, Overwatch, and more to come. The now quite large esports organization is under the ownership of Jason Spiller, a 15-year vet of esports at companies like Microsoft and Omen by HP. Spiller is our guest for this episode of the Esports Network podcast. As you may have guessed, we're going to be talking about the New Look organization, the Oceania region in all, and his plans for the org going forward. How are you doing today, Jason? Hey, really good. Yeah, yeah, no, and enjoying uh, a surprisingly sunny day here in New Zealand. <laughs> so just so great. we're clear here, it's 5.40 p.m. on Tuesday where I'm at. It's about 1 o'clock where you're at on Wednesday? Yeah, 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 to 12, 12.40 on Wednesday. So, you know, I'm, I'm time traveling. I'm, uh, I'm talking to you from the future, which uh, is, is always exciting. I know it shouldn't make me that happy, but I just love that that's a thing that exists. And, uh, you know, I've never been able to do it on on the Esports Network podcast. So I'm happy to cross the international dateline and talk to somebody down in that region for the first time. Oh, it, it is quite funny. And, uh, you know, I, I travel back and forth quite frequently to uh, to Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, as a result, it's always weird because you, you gain a day. So, you know, I, I arrive kind of before I leave, you know, almost you know, going into to Los Angeles and then coming back, you lose a day. So you just, a day just completely vanishes from existence for you. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like over time, eventually I'm, I'm getting the days back that I lose, you know, with my travel. So <laughs> it's one of the peculiarities of, of the global world, right? That's so interesting to think about having a day that just completely disappears and you basically don't experience it all interesting yeah it's quite frustrating as well if you leave on a sunday on a saturday night uh which you know i often do or a friday night you kind of lose your entire weekend and you get back right into a monday and you're like ah damn it <laughs> right it doesn't ever really work out that well you leave on a monday and you get there and it's monday again and you have to do monday all over again it doesn't ever seem like it's great uh, yeah yeah that's that's also frustrating you know the best thing to do is if you can leave on a wednesday and then arrive on a friday you know half half the job's done for you it's 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 brilliant <laughs> i love it i love it let's just talk about travel for this entire podcast instead of uh <laughs> you know, it's something that I, I, I do a lot. It's, it's really funny, actually, because, you know, the, the global nature of esports and uh, uh, the amount of events that I've attended, like last year, I actually spent more time on a plane uh, than, than at, you know, at, at, a, at a home, uh, really, which <laughs> which is, is quite crazy. I think between myself and my, uh, my other half, we did... Oh, it was it was close to fifty events that year, so almost one every weekend. Some you know midweek as well. It was uh, it, it was an insane year, and uh, you know that's just that's just esports, right? It's getting bit busier and busier, and uh, and you know, sort of geek and gaming culture as well with with the, the you know Comic Cons, BlizzCons, you know everything else. It's um, there's always something going on. So you know you're always on a plane somewhere. Definitely, I tried to 
lessen my plane travel by moving to the con center of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, then a pandemic happened, and I haven't been able to attend any single convention. That was my whole goal. I was like, oh, I won't have to fly nearly as much, and I can go to all these cons. Just today, as we're recording on Tuesday, CES announced they canceled uh, the January event, or I should say going online with the event. So an interesting world to be sure. Uh, Let's... Yes, a changing one indeed. indeed. So I want to dive into the Direwolves esports scene. It's an interesting switch up for you to take ownership of this new organization. Why did owning an org in particular appeal to you? Why was it something you wanted to do? And why was Direwolves the right choice uh, under that brand? Uh, so yeah, there's a couple of questions there, right? Let, let me break it down. Um, why why I wanted to do the move. So uh, look, and, and you you mentioned sort of a bit of my career history. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in you know bigger corporate brands, uh, you know building you know the local scene in Australia and uh, in New Zealand for the likes of uh, of Xbox and uh, and Omen by HP. Uh, but you know my, my love has has always been esports, and uh, you know right from when I was I was competing in Halo. Uh, rather poorly uh, or uh, or even before that in starcraft and uh you know even more poor really in terms of my actual in-game performance but the passion was there right even if the skill was not uh and uh, yeah i can i can tell you right now that age has only further dulled those skills uh, I, i'm trying to to run through doom eternal at the moment just uh yeah for my own uh, for my my own fun and uh yeah trust me my um uh, my, my shooter skills are, are pretty lackluster these days uh so look when when i decided uh that you know i, I was looking at my next move after after leaving omen by HP. One thing I wanted to make sure that I could continue to do is is support the the local gaming scene, and that's a lot of what drove me during my time at these corporates was. You know, I, I kind of found a niche as uh, the the guy, especially within HP, that that locally with an organization that was very corporate focused and very business driven, uh, could you know really inject uh, a, a layer of, of community passion and and gaming and esports passion and and really showcase and be you know more the the voice of of gamers within the organization, uh, helping to to build out a lot of local initiatives. You know, so you know, while I was at HP, building things like the the Waikato uh, esports uh, partnership uh, the, that resulted in the uh, the Waikato esports stadium, and for, for those that aren't familiar, Waikato is a is a region in, in New Zealand, and uh, the university there uh, has been building a, a really really exciting esports program, drawing more and more people to it, uh, and you know supporting other other groups, tournament organizers like uh, like Ping Zero and Standing Fierce in New Zealand, you know guys and gals that are doing a, a lot of real hard grassroots work. Uh, and so, you know, that, that was really the impetus to move to something like a team is, is I really saw that, especially for New Zealand, this is less true of Australia. Australia has some, some great orgs, uh, you know, that are, that are really building out uh, pathways to the international esports scene. Uh, and, and New Zealand is, is a little bit behind the curve there. So for me, it was, it was about, you know, what's the next move that allows me to support those, those grassroots communities and those gamers uh, and, and help to really build out 
you know what that next link is and that next step because because as we're all aware like esports is really global uh and you know to be a player on the top level you you're going to have to you know as we we're talking about before travel and you're going to have to compete against you know other regions and at, at the moment that's you know that's a, a little hard when you're down and in, uh, in, in new zealand and we we do have some great esports talent and uh and that talent that has made it into the global scene is, is done very well you only have to look at uh your color hex and the uh the boston uprising or or Looking back into uh, into New Zealand's past with the likes of Petraeus, Petraeus, sorry, playing for for Root Gaming and StarCraft, there's there is talent out there. So it was just about being able to find a way to strengthen those those pathways out. And so Direwolves presented itself as as a great opportunity. And so I knew Dave Harris from my work with the uh, the esports uh, you know associations um, over in over in Australia, the, the EGAA specifically for this. Uh, and uh, yeah, I knew that he had divested uh, his interest in Direwolves because he had moved his focus to uh, his new European portfolio, which uh, you know includes uh, Excel uh, over there and. Uh, you know, obviously, with rights cross uh, ownership rules, he was um, yeah, he was in a position where it was time for him to divest, uh, and so that that really left a, a gap. The, um, the the investor group that that had you know Direwolves was um, yeah was looking for for new ownership and new direction, and you know that that kind of made sense from a timing perspective for for all parties, uh, and from a brand perspective. You know the Direwolves is is an amazing brand. It's got a it's it's got a lot of history in in League of Legends. Obviously, uh, you know there's there's multiple you know, championship wins. There's worlds representation there, uh, so it's got a, a storied history. And in terms of the brand, I felt that that the brand identity was one that we could really expand upon and that it had a great platform that, uh, you know, the original founder uh, and, you know, the the ownership groups over the, over the last uh, number of years had really done a, a good job providing a, a solid foundation for growth into, you know, hopefully a, a, an organization that, you know, doesn't just represent Kiwis or, or Australians, uh, you know, where, where the organization's based, but, you know, actually begins to, to grab a, a good global fan base and you know the direwolves is, is it's a unique name it's got a, a you know a nice unique brand to it uh and I, I think it plays quite well um and and obviously you know we've gone through the brand refresh so you know that's that's something probably to discuss as well <laughs> i was about to bring it up it's got a great brand and it's got a new brand as of two weeks ago with a fierce is the way it's been described in the media fierce new logo why did you want to change that brand? What were you looking to to encapsulate as you come on as the new owner? You bring in a couple other esports organizations. What were you hoping to that this rebrand would really showcase uh, about the new direction for Direwolves? So the the new brand direction that we we really looked at, and, and this is this is always a, ch- a challenge, is is looking at what uh, you know the the core of the brand is and the core values of the brand moving forward are going to be uh, as well as taking into account the, the history that, that that brand has and the Direwolves has history it's got you know an amazing fan base it's got you know storied players uh, and, and so that's that had to be incorporated into it and yet fierce is is one of those things that we uh, you know we sort of came came up with and you know the idea of, of being elite uh, and you know that that idea of the wolf pack of, of being loyal and respectful and uh, and, and being inclusive which you know are important tenants in, in the modern esports space uh and so distilling that down into something that is very modern and and the reality is is if you look at modern esports logos they need to live on you know in a variety of circumstances and in a variety of um uh well yeah in, in a variety of 
how do you put it? Situations, you know, in terms of, yeah, you've, you've got a modern esports brand is, is so much more than just a team now. And, and if you look at, you know, the, the big, you know, story teams of international esports, uh, the new ones like a hundred thieves or the ones with heaps of legacy, like, uh, like team liquid, uh, is that brand exists across so many things. Now it's, it exists across apparel. It exists, uh, across, you know, streaming talent. It exists across facilities. Uh, and as a result, you need something that's, that's simple, that's recognizable, that's stylistic, that can live in all of those situations uh and and make sense uh and so that's that's kind of where we got to the you know the ultra stylized simplified wolf head uh that um that we're all pretty excited about that you know everybody is describing as this fierce <laughs> hey it's a good way if that's the adjective people are, are attaching to your rebrand not every esports rebrand is super well received so if people are calling it fierce that's probably a pretty good it's a win for sure Oh no, and that's always a concern. And and I I will admit we we sat back with a bit of trepidation and uh, and and whether we whether the rebrand was going to be you know received well. And you know we were we were really lucky. I, I think that uh, that the fan base has has really liked it. You know our, our real core fans have uh, you know have given us a lot of approval in this, which is which is cool. Uh, and uh, you know we've gotten a lot of good feedback from uh, yeah, from the various organisations that we work with, the the, the riots and uh, and Activisions of the world. So. Yeah, hopefully we're onto the uh, onto the right uh, the right track. But I, I look at it now and uh, and and think that it's it's just it, it's something that can live uh, you know for for years to come uh, for the future of uh, of the Direwolves, which is cool. Absolutely, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the modern esports org. As you mentioned, there's all these different pillars that go with being an esports organization right now. And I think that's really encapsulated well by the leadership team that you've brought on to Dire Wolves. Uh, running through some of these names real quick, and I apologize if I butcher any of your names. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. Show. <laughs> um, Craig Nimmo, he's a renowned Oceania-based company. Did I, what's his last name? Just just say it. Uh, Nimmo, you did it well. I yeah. did it. Oh, I was like, I was like, yeah, Nimmo, He'll, he'll Nimmo. be very pleased. Oh, there we go. He'll Look be very me. pleased. Uh, he's an Oceania-based commentator. He's on as general manager, shoutcaster, classic esports guy. You've got Rich Bryan, uh, not to be confused with the American rapper by the same name. He's the head of production with a background in New Zealand's music scene. William Slingsby is on as head of is on as head of content with a background in traditional sports. And Jordan Gardner wraps it up as head of design, the man behind that fierce logo. When I see those names and their different backgrounds, it really shows, okay, you got a guy from music. You have somebody pulling from esports, somebody who's who has a background in, in traditional sports. Is that what you were looking for as you built out this leadership team to really make sure that you had people who could speak to all these different aspects of the modern esports organization as it looks for a really varied presence in all these different areas. A hundred percent. And and looking at the new leadership team, we we knew what we needed to do uh, in in terms of the talent that we needed to bring on. And and you're right, every every one of those those people, and there are uh, you know more to be announced as as well. Uh, they they bring with them a wealth of experience from you know a, a wide range of of backgrounds. And you know if you take somebody like Rich, he is you know a, a very very well renowned uh, you know editor when it comes to to audio and audio engineer uh who has you know 
done so many of the audio tracks for for many of uh, many of New Zealand's biggest music music artists, uh, and you know it just so happened that he has a, a massive passion for for League of Legends as well. And uh, you know I we worked together on a, on a few projects in the past, uh, and so you know he was the obvious choice to to bring in not only from you know sort of controlling the the look and feel of all of the content that's going out, but uh, but also providing uh, you know fresh ideas and and concepts and just you know cool things that that can be done with the brand uh you know from a from a perspective outside of, of esports because i think there's a there's a balance that you have to strike as a, as a modern esports organization between uh you know your on field you know that, that virtual field performance piece and supporting your players and making sure that you know as an organization you're providing pathways for them to succeed which you know is really critical uh to us and uh you know we needed to make sure that we had people in that management team to support that growth uh, and to make sure that as as i said that you know we're setting ourselves up as a pathway for for bigger and better things and you know the the ultimate goal of the organization is is to make sure that we have talent that goes on and, and lives well beyond the direwolves as well which uh, which is always always cool to see uh and so we always we already had you know a, a great coaching staff and uh you know, we're bringing on some some awesome team managers with the the drop beers and nad sports as well uh and and craig was just the the right fit the timing was perfect for him to come into the organization and and oversee you know that that complete player piece and really that on-field performance piece make sure that our players had everything that they needed to succeed uh that you know they were able to get timely replies in the time zone as well because having him sydney based is is extremely critical uh and really you're pushing to make sure that our players feel you know really supported so that's it's really one half of 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 the org the the other half has to be that fan engagement piece and and giving people a reason to to love the diewalls to to follow you know each of our players to build up those stories and uh you know follow our, our players and our teams through their trials and tribulations uh and you know hopefully you know really share in their successes and, and so part of that is you know a an in-depth content piece making sure that there's always a reason to check out uh you know the the direwolves channels and all of our players channels having that consistent brand across you know all of the spaces that we're in uh making sure that yeah there are ways to engage yeah all kinds of esports fans from uh you know from those that are really keen on on things like apparel and you know that's it's definitely in in the pipes uh to you know even crazier and more exciting pieces like uh i mean who knows a uh, a potential direwolves music video maybe you know so it's it's a real balance and and for yeah for, for me it was important that we got those two pieces right that we were supporting players and helping them achieve success uh and, and also supporting our fans and and making sure there was a there was a, a reason to to love and uh, and follow the direwolves absolutely it's one of the cool things about running an esports organization is that there isn't really a set template for what you have to do and it gives you the freedom to okay we should make a music video let's try that and as we see all these different organizations you look at the biggest orgs in the world they're not all run the same way you have phase clan which focuses on the media influencer side primarily then you have a cloud nine that's way focused on the competitive side and there's plenty of crossover as well between competitive and influencer where do you see dire wolves focusing primarily if you had to to predict the direction do you want to focus mostly competitive do you want that mix of influencer a competitive play or do you see this influencer modern culture apparel streetwear uh 
avenue as being a, being the best one for direwolves going forward? Can you could you shine some light on you know the ultimate direction in the modern age of esports? Yeah, as I, as I mentioned, it it is a balance, you know, and and I I think you do need a, a you know a solid mix of both because yeah, gaming is is more than just you know what happens on the PC now. You know there there is a, a cultural component and uh, you know as I say that fan piece, but if I wanted to lean towards a, a certain direction, I I think it's it's really critical not to to let that performance piece and that player piece you know drop so for for us it really will be continuing to to support that that on-field success uh and to build you know content and programs around that as the core of of the brand uh and then everything else that we do around that is is really designed to support those those players uh and and support the the on-field uh engagement and you know build up the fan base for the off-field engagement Definitely. I want to switch scope just a little bit, be conscious of your time. I want to talk about the Oceania region for esports as a whole. We've, you mentioned a lot about how esports is a global sport, more so than almost any sport in the world as well, in terms of just all the different regions competing in it, uh, what games are popular where, and the differences between that. How do you see the Oceania region developing, especially New Zealand? As you as you said, there's plenty of Australian esports organizations uh, with a bit of with a bit of history, and then you have the Dire Wolves, also cemented in that region in New Zealand, building up more initiatives in this uh, specific country. How do you see the region developing over the next few years? What are you really excited about coming out of it? And do you think Oceania will take on a bigger role in the global esports scene? So I, I there's. There's a lot to that. Like that's that's a that's a massive question to unpack. And I so, do that yeah. all the time. I'm so sorry. It's a classic <laughs> esports network. Just the the massive three questions all at once. Um, yeah, yeah, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, and, and they're all exciting questions. So yeah, let me just touch on maybe the differences between Australia and New Zealand, because I, I think they are, you know, very symbiotic markets, but they are very different as well. Uh, and so Australia has some really incredible established organizations uh, that I think, are, you know, beginning to make themselves known on on the international stage. And, you know, those are, you know, incredible organizations like Order or Legacy or Mind Freak and Chief you know all of these these teams uh you know are, are building up great platforms for for their players i mean the chiefs just bought on uh l'oreal as a, as a major sponsor which uh you know for the region is is certainly a first uh and you know we've seen local rosters uh from esports teams go on and then join big international teams uh, you know the most recent, uh, you know, addition to Hundred Thieves, for example, uh, from that uh, that ex Renegades roster, uh, and you're seeing some international teams begin to have interest in uh, in the Australian region. Fnatic uh, competing in Rainbow Six Siege, for example. So, uh, I, I think there is there is a growing importance to. Uh, to Australia and New Zealand. And I, I think there are a couple of advantages there that both countries hold collectively. Uh, and that is a, uh, I know this sounds kind of weird, but a, a fairly friendly time zone in terms of that we can catch both the European uh, audience and the American audience just at different times of the day. Uh, so for us, which, you know, a, a lot of streamers that, uh, that have seen success here have seen success because they can hit both of those audiences uh, quite comfortably. 
Uh, and so there is an advantage there. Now there's there's challenges, and this is probably where I think I'll, I'll separate into the New Zealand conversation versus the Australian conversation. Australia's infrastructure in terms of, of internet and, and forward-looking infrastructure uh, has uh, challenges. Uh, you know, it, it just isn't up to the the global par at, at the moment. And you know, you talk to any Australian player, and the first thing that they will uh, they will bemoan is is the current state of Australian internet infrastructure. Uh, you know, speeds are, are, are slow. You know, downloads are, are hard. Pings are high, uh, and you know, as a result, you've you've got issues competing not just locally, but you know, also internationally, where there is a massive ping disadvantage when you're pinging to other servers. And so the the physical distance that you know that Australia and New Zealand have do cause issues. Uh, I, I think that that's something that needs to be corrected. In New Zealand, you have, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, more of a focus on that that infrastructure, and uh, you know, having, uh, you know, direct to, to my my house here, thousand thousand fibre, uh, you know, is, is is amazing. And you know, even though the physical distance is still there, uh, there, you know, there is, you know, local servers. There's direct lines uh, out of the country, so you know, ping while not great because you know, obviously, there's still that physical distance component. It is remarkably better you know sizably better than uh, than you know our australian friends uh and there is you know an interesting focus i think on on looking at what the australians have seen success with uh in the intel extreme masters that uh, you know was was obviously slated to move to melbourne this year sadly you know given the the current situation we're in with covid uh that's been pushed uh and you know locally the the melbourne esports open in terms of another you know big esports event that's really collected some of those local finals and created a, a sizable esports moment out of it. Uh, and I think that there are lessons that New Zealand is, is looking at very closely and, uh, and, and learning. Uh, in terms of where I see New Zealand's place in the esports scene, uh, there will always be the distance issue. Right, uh, that's that's not going to change. New Zealand's not going to magically move off the coast of, of California. It's uh, you know it, it is what it is. Uh, in saying that, there are some some strengths that I think New Zealand brings to the table. First and foremost, and I think this is this is an interesting one for the next, let's be honest, probably year to eighteen months, maybe even longer, is New Zealand is currently a COVID-free country. Uh, and, you know, that means that, you know, within the borders of New Zealand, once you go through your quarantine, uh, you you can have, you know, those big events. Uh, and if you look locally, uh, you know, sort of New Zealand's Comic Con, if you will, Armageddon, uh, has just run its first two in its three regional series, uh, having you know, tens of thousands of people safely at, at those events, uh, which is something that, you know, is a selling point for New Zealand at the moment. Um, you know, certainly. And, uh, you know, if you look at some of the other big sporting events that are that are looking at still hosting things in live arenas, they are looking fairly closely at, at New Zealand as a strong consideration. So I, I think that there is an opportunity right now for New Zealand to position itself as a, uh, you know, a home for, for esports, especially during this crisis, for those that want to have, uh, you know, local competition that is safe for their players uh in, in the long term I, I think that you know that's something that uh you know that new zealanders are, are pretty keen to see is that you know we're also a a pretty 
awesome tourist destination. You know, I, I, every American friend I, uh, I bring down to New Zealand uh, immediately wants me to take them, you know, down the, down the line from Auckland to, to Hobbiton. Uh, it's sort of the, the first mandatory trip once you, once you land off a plane. Uh, and so there, there's, you know, there's a, a tourist advantage, I think, and I, I would love to see, and this is, this is something that may take 10 years, 15 years, who, who knows, but I would love to see a major international esports event held in New Zealand, uh, a league worlds or, a, or an international or an Intel Extreme Masters or something, because uh, I, I, I think that there's the audience for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that New Zealand's well positioned. Uh, it's just going to take uh, a little bit of time, I think, to, to build up our, our local infrastructure and to showcase that we are, uh, you know, the kind of country that can have that. Uh, on the flip side, I, I really think that New Zealand is going to continue to pour out talent uh, in terms of you know esports players, in terms of coaches, commentators. You look at the likes of uh, of Avril, who's uh, who's been now casting a couple of uh, of Overwatch League matches. Uh, you know, you look at. Uh, uh, at Pixie, you know, his his often um, oftentimes co-commentator, uh, you know, right through to you know the current Direwolves roster, which is uh, which is three Kiwis who who join our, um, uh, our our Korean players as well. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of talent out there from from New Zealand. I think that um, yeah, that will really really build the the, the nation's uh, reputation. Hopefully, uh, you know, we have such a such a strong sporting history you know with uh, with the all blacks and uh, uh and, and i think there's no reason why why kiwis can't also have a a strong esports lineup as well i'm so jealous of new zealand you, you <laughs> don't even not just not just to have covid under control but to be covid free like i've seen the videos all the time that you retweeted on my timeline of look how happy they are in new zealand everyone's together watching rugby and i'm like yeah must be nice must be beautiful I'm... it is it is really cool it's a it's a it's a good position to be in and um yeah i i, I obviously i i personally and i know that you know all, all other kiwis feel very very fortunate and very lucky that you know we are in this position uh and it's um you know it's something that you know, we're we're hoping obviously that the rest of the world joins us you know asap <laughs> yeah one day maybe yeah if you guys didn't have it nice enough with your beautiful lush scenery and just the most some of those beautiful nature on the planet and apparently your amazing internet which i didn't know about now you also don't have covid to worry about it sounds like a nice place to be it really does just just real nice. <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it's certainly a lovely place. I, I I've, you, you can't you can't complain. Let's put it that way. You can't complain. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I have to come visit. I hope they hold a big event there. It gives me an excuse to finally go visit New Zealand, a place that's I've uh, always been high on my bucket list ever since I was like in high school. Everyone's just like, ah, oh, you got to go to New Zealand. It's the coolest place on earth. And that's just the the country's reputation from people who've never been there. They're just like, yeah. Looks awesome. Uh, we 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 try. It's just uh, we're 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 a pretty pretty chilled crew, really, uh, down in New Zealand, and I think uh, I think the rest of the world do do love that about us. Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, look, the population's there for it as well uh, for for big events. You know, the the event that series that I mentioned before, uh, Armageddon. Once it gets to Auckland, which is you know our largest city in terms of population, uh, it it actually it gets a, a higher footfall than you know many other events in the region, like uh, like PAX Australia, for example. Like uh, Kiwis are, are very passionate when um, yeah when there's something on, they'll they'll come out and support it. So uh, yeah, I I definitely think that. Um, 
yeah, it's a it's a good spot for uh, <laughs> for for massive event. It also helps that you know as a result, I'd I'd only have to drive from my house rather than get on a plane, right? <laughs> so there is a, a little bit of selfishness there. <laughs> Yeah, everyone else is doing is going to be jet lagged. You're used to being the jet lagged one at every event, I'm sure. And now this time, everyone comes to you, and you could be the one at at 100% capacity. While everyone else is like, "What day is it?" I'm sorry, I'm confused. Uh, 100%. Although, I, to be fair, I think I um I destroyed my body clock a, a long time ago. <laughs> so <laughs> short circuited screws are busted out of it. Yeah, well, we'll yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to hear about the region. I guess. Uh, being somebody who has, hasn't had the, the fortune of visiting it, I would have assumed people are very outdoorsy in New Zealand because all the pictures you see are generally nature heavy. Is there really a large focus on esports and gaming uh, pushing that forward? As, as you say, it sounds like there is you know some great players coming out of there. Does the region and the country itself really embrace esports as a, as a gaming and competitive outlet? That is that is a hundred percent a work in progress, right? Like because you're right. Yeah. Oh no, no, absolutely. But but you're right. You know, Kiwis and Australians have such a, a strong, proud history uh, in traditional sports. Uh, you know, and and those codes. You know, rugby, cricket. Uh, you know, Australian rules. Uh, there's there's you're so so much success that that you know both of our countries have have had on the international field uh, in terms of those sports and so you know that does you know really lean uh, to yeah obviously a focus on that from a from a societal point of view uh, we're getting pretty messy here but uh, <laughs> but um I, I think what's what's interesting uh, is is that you know the as the, the current generation grows up, right, uh, that, you know, gamers and the growth of gaming isn't necessarily coming from a, a generation that grew up watching rugby and cricket and is then moving to esports. The growth in esports is coming from that generation that's growing up now that grows up wanting to be a Fortnite pro or a, a Valorant pro uh, and maybe not a rugby pro. Uh, because you know their you know their primary means of content is YouTube. They're watching streamers. They see you know the the, the world's biggest uh, you know biggest stars, uh, and, and that's who they want to emulate. And so you know as a result, we have this audience that is watching a lot more esports. They're very used to uh, the connection and the way that that esports is uh, is broadcast. You know, i.e. on Twitch, on YouTube, uh, with you know chat integration. They're used to the access that they have to uh you know the the people that they uh you know respect and look up to uh you know the players that they're fans of they they can jump in see those streams see that person practice uh and connect with them on a way that you you just can't in traditional sports at the moment so that that is changing that's driving change in in new zealand and and i would uh, i would wager that that australia is in a very similar situation is that uh you know the one thing that defines Kiwis, I think, is our competitive spirit, uh, and whether that competitive spirit is in rugby or cricket, you know, the it still exists. Uh, it's just transforming into you know these these sports of the future, right? The the you know, the Valorants, the leagues, the mm-hmm. uh, the Overwatches, and, uh, uh, and and everything else in between. Uh, and so, yeah, to to put a line under it, I, I think that it, it is a challenge. Uh, it, it's interesting, you know how things are changing and you know over the last 15 to, to 20 years I, I've, I've really seen that that slow shift uh in um 
in position. And, you know, when you look at some of the more mainstream media outlets in New Zealand, while 10 years ago, they, they were fairly hostile to the idea of esports, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's changed very quickly. And, and one thing that I think is, is very interesting that, you know, you've seen a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, far, far more intelligent people than me talk about is just how, you know, COVID has forced a a change in people's behavior and in terms of their their viewing habits uh and you know their competitive interests and so as a result esports has seen you know a, a growth not just from a viewership perspective but i think from a, a perception perspective that you know things have changed a, a great deal and, and games uh, are seen now as uh, a, a great way to bridge what is a, a very serious societal problem, which is digital isolation. Uh, and we're seeing that more and more and more. And, you know, it, it's not just COVID that's brought that on, but I think COVID has, has certainly highlighted that issue uh, and also highlighted the way in which games can uh, can help us get past it. And so that's, you know, that, that I think is driving, uh, you know, a, a great deal of, of societal and, and sort of, uh, cultural shift in terms of perception of esports, which I think is, is exciting. Absolutely. It's quite interesting to see how gaming is taking over, especially in this COVID age. Uh, so many ways, you know, in here in America, we're looking towards a school year of distance learning, primarily mostly virtual because we have no handle on the virus whatsoever, like none. And my girlfriend is a a general news reporter, somebody who, you know, doesn't usually cover esports or gaming related things. As we look towards the school year starting up in a few weeks, on the back to school list and on a lot of the equipment are these classic gaming products. Uh, kids now need headphones with a microphone in them to do their classes. They need new uh, mice and keyboard to make sure that they have the best possible distance environment. I think it's really interesting as gaming's always had these different social channels and now the virus, to your point, is sort of forcing people to to take up gaming avenues and turn to gaming be like, okay, wait, we need this socialization and these are the products that work best for it it's quite an interesting phenomenon as we see that oh, okay you know people who had these ideas of what gaming is see it fly in their face like oh okay we need these tools for communication with their classmates the best products are gaming products gaming is this socialization it always was and covid is really highlighting that in quite a few ways i thought it was an interesting uh look as we as we look forward how all the kids need HyperX headphones or something like that to, to do their classes. I laugh because it's dystopian. I'm sorry. I It's the only <laughs> way to cope. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it is. It is really interesting. Uh, the the way that the education system is uh, is looking. You're right. Like gaming does drive a lot of innovation, right? In terms of, of products, if you look at uh, you know some of the, the the best PCs on the market, and uh, you know drawing from my history at HP, you know the the places that HP did you know huge amounts of work in terms of pushing the envelope and and power performance and and utility uh, was you know in 
in gaming for for a consumer perspective and in their their workstation products for those high end creative purposes. Uh, and so you know you you, you kind of see that it makes sense you know like gaming has you know forced a lot of really cool innovations and in, in things like headsets and uh you know and as a result it's it's natural that those products uh you know begin to feed into a um uh, into a more mainstream purpose like education uh, and, and you see a lot of a lot of work that uh that game publishers are doing to you know incorporate uh, you know meaningful lesson plans and, and education plans into uh, into their games you know I, I mean Minecraft and Microsoft have, have obviously done an amazing job of this and, and League uh, you know Riot actually has a, a really interesting education program in place as well that uh, is well worth checking out if, um, if anybody's interested in that uh, so uh, yeah I, it's a changing world right I'm, I'm really really genuinely curious to see what uh, what society looks like when we come out the other end yeah, it's definitely going to be different. It's hard to predict, but it's definitely going to be different. All right, I want to be conscious of your time, let you go here pretty soon. Uh, but before I let you go, I was hoping you could turn towards the future. Now, I know that this month has been crazy. You brought an entirely new management team. You brought two other esports brands underneath the Dire Wolves name, and you rebranded what the Dire Wolves look like. But if you wanted people to get excited, you've mentioned how, hey, there's more rosters coming, there's more hires coming. What are you focused on in the interim for Dire Wolves? I'll try not to ask you a bunch of questions, so I'll leave it at that. What are you focused on in the <laughs> the bad habit? I need to kill it. I appreciate you you calling me out on it. Uh, what are you focused on in the coming months for Dire Wolves? Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. Uh, you know, the first thing really is is now a bit of a period of consolidation because you're right. We just we just undertook a a huge rebrand. We just undertook, you know, bringing on, uh, you know, not only a, a new Overwatch squad, uh, but a Valorant squad. Uh, you know, players in both uh, in both FIFA and uh, and NBA. Uh, we've announced, uh, you know, our, our star uh, FIFA player Dylan. Uh, and uh, you know, NBA is 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 very close to uh, to our player announcements there. Uh, so yeah, the next sort of month is a is a consolidation piece, making sure that we are providing the the best value for our players and that we're supporting them, uh, and, and just getting those those new management structures in place. Uh, and so that's you know that that's really the short term goal. I think the midterm goal is, you know, beginning to you know, roll out some of the the continuation of, of the work that we've already started. Uh, so your players can look out and fans can look out for, uh, you know, our our new uniforms, uh, you know, which will be dropping very very soon. Uh, you know, things like our, our first new fresh merch drops as well, which um, which we're really excited about. Uh, and then in the in the longer term, it becomes what's what's next. You know, what uh, what esports makes sense. For for us to move into in terms of a do we have the bandwidth to effectively support uh, players there uh, do we have uh, an ability to make a positive difference for that scene in that community around that game uh, and uh, you really does that game have an ecosystem that's that's sustainable for us which is which is also something that's really important is you know with these organizations make sure that you can continue long term because that um 
you know my uh, my personal uh, passions in terms of what games I I, I love. I, I think I'll I'll be looking pretty closely towards uh, towards you know establishing teams and presences and those. And uh, you know for for those that, uh, that that know me closely, you know Halo's obviously um, you know very very close to my heart. So once uh, once Infinite looks like it's um it's going to have a competitive scene, I'll, uh, I'll I'll be I'll be there in a heartbeat. Uh, and you know other other really exciting titles that uh, you know that I've got long history with. Uh, I, I think that what Blizzard are doing with uh, Warcraft's Mythic Dungeon International is is really cool. Uh, and you know I, I would love to be be there at some point and uh, and, and support that that scene and uh, and that player base as well. So yeah, look, I I think it's going to be a really exciting six months. Uh, and uh, you know next year's uh, next year's going to be even bigger and better. Absolutely. I am so excited for the return of Halo Esports. I I can't think of a game where everyone wants this esports scene and is so willing to support it, yet it doesn't exist. So Halo Infinite, we're, we're, we're all counting on you. There, there are so many people I talked to on this podcast who are doing something else who are like, I have my roots in Halo. I was a player. I was in the scene. That was the first esport I was really passionate about. Bring back Halo Esports. We're here I'm ready. I'm ready to turn this podcast into a Halo esports podcast. Like, let's just do it. Just bring it all back. Uh, honestly, it's it's just so exciting, and uh, I'm 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 hanging on for the uh, the Halo Infinite multiplayer reveal because obviously that's you know that's going to be the the real real important stuff uh, when it comes to uh, to a Halo competitive scene, and uh, you know I'll be watching really closely the uh, the competitive reaction to that, and uh, yeah, there, there are a great deal of of dormant let's call it halo players and in, in australia and new zealand that i know are, are itching to get back into uh, into the competitive scene and uh yeah look i'm i'm certainly one of them i'm uh, i'm definitely there uh, I, I i love halo to pieces it's, it's just it's such an amazing title it's got such history to it so uh, it'll be it'll be really really cool to see that come away again Absolutely agree. Well, and wrap up the podcast there. Be sure to support Direwolves. Uh, follow them on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, all the different social channels under at Direwolves, I have to assume. And be on the lookout for their merch. As Jason mentioned, new rebrand means a new logo, means new merch. So be on the lookout for some fresh new Direwolves merch because I bet you do not have any merch from the Oceania region or from New Zealand. So that was your chance. Get the direwolves, get a support them uh, from day one or day new day one. Restart day one. That's what we're called. <laughs> <laughs> Not technically. Day. Yeah, re- restart. Restart. From, from the restart. <laughs> from from the new look, direwolves. Be sure to support. Jason, was there anything I missed? Anywhere you want people to follow, check out, or look forward to in the future? No, absolutely. You, you covered it. Yeah, Direwolves GG on just about everything. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, guys and uh, and girls, hopefully you um, yeah you like what we're doing, and uh, we'd we'd love to have your support. And uh, I know all of our players are really excited to uh, to put on some great performances uh, in in the coming splits and seasons. Absolutely, that wraps up this episode of the Esports Network podcast. Looking forward to the future. We have another podcast just went live today. On Tuesday, as I'm recording this, that was with Xset, the new esports organization from some of the founders of FaZe Clan. Talked about some of the same things about the different pillars of esports organizations, 
also uh, Greg Selko, the CEO of Xset, and his comments comparing some esports orgs to frat houses. So he explains what he meant by that comment in that podcast. You can find that live right now. And later coming up this week, we have Mac. I swear it's scheduled. It's happening. He's had to reschedule twice. You know how those esports players are. Uh, but he's coming on the show Friday morning. And we'll be talking to him ahead of CDL's champs. So be on the lookout for that later in the week. And I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jason Spiller, the new owner of Dire Wolves. That's all for the Esports Network podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams. Hope you had a good day.